Well, hello there. Welcome back to another show. I'm Father Roderick, and it is a wonderful day. Started this morning, waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning. It has to do with a book that I'm going to review here on the show. And then I went for a long run, and now I'm sitting here in front of the microphone bringing you my weekly show. I hope you enjoy. This episode, as all my episodes, in fact, all the work that I do, my YouTube channel, my podcasts, my social media activities, it is all made possible by a group of people that support my work, that believe in what I do, and are actually helping me to do this. Um, you can find them on patreon.com slash fatherroderick. It's a community of patrons. Some of them are contributing just a little bit every month. Other people have more uh, capabilities, so they are, are uh, like big supporters. And, but no matter uh, what the the amount is that they that they contribute, what I value most is that they are part of this community that gathers. We've got a Discord server, and um, and there are like a lot of connections forming. There's it's really a group of friends, and it's a it's a friendship that is really comforting for me because oftentimes I'm just alone in front of the microphone or in front of the camera. Having that feedback channel, the constant input of ideas um, is, is wonderful. But there's also a lot are also a lot of friendships forming within that community. So I'm, I'm super happy with them. And I want to welcome a whole bunch of new people that joined that community recently. So here are the people that joined me in the last month of last year, so December, and the first month of this year, still ongoing here in January. So welcome to the community, Kensington, Daniel, Craig, Pauline, Drew, Pedro, Liz, Carol, Carol uh, Megan, Michael, John, Tyler, Ricardo, Matt, Terence, Terry, and Oli Joy Onoy. That's a hard one to pronounce. I hope, hopefully I did pronounce your name correctly. But um, on behalf of all the other listeners, thank you so much for your support. Because without your support, none of the, none of the other listeners would have the benefit of, of these shows. So thank you so much for what you do. And uh, as a thank you, and you know this if you're a long-time listener to this show. I record some extra stuff. So there's an extra podcast called, called Father Roderick to the Max. There's an extra mile that I record during my weekly walk. Um, we post audio recordings of the homilies that I do during the Mass for Geeks on Sunday. And, and, and that's the big thing. That's something I want to share with the entire community. Uh, we, we are, as you know, this year working on a number of documentaries. And uh, the work on the first documentary that is going to premiere next week um, is almost finished. Um, the documentary is called The Secret of Iona. And it's about this mysterious island on the west coast of Scotland, where in, since the early Middle Ages, monks have lived and miracles happened and pilgrims, thousands and thousands of pilgrims uh, came there every year. And it has been a maybe the most important place in Europe for the beginning of evangelization of, of mainland Europe and of England and Scotland. And so uh, I traveled there, I filmed there, I did some interviews there, and I want to sh share that story in, in the first international a documentary and uh, the patrons that have uh, made this possible um, there are certain tiers they will get uh, the first the, f the first they will be the first to to watch that documentary so uh, yeah I'm, I'm so excited about this and I feel like this is this is ultimately where 
where I'm most, where I'm at my best. I mean, I love doing podcasts. I, I will always do that. I love the doing the YouTube channel and the Star Wars commentaries. That's also something that I have been doing for years. So I love doing that. But it's my, what they sometimes call the area of excellence. So it's something I, I'm I'm pretty unique with is this this storytelling in documentary form, the filming, this helping people to step into that amazing world of, of you know, centuries of 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 Christian wisdom and just bring people with me in along on on these adventures. Um, it is such a joy to finally be able to share that with a larger group than just people that have been watching my stuff on on Dutch TV. So, again, thank you so much for your support. That's why there are no advertisements on this show. And I won't bore you with, you know, so... I have that so often. I'm listening to a ton of podcasts every week. and Or, or same thing with, with YouTube videos. And then they... Yeah, before we continue, let me tell you about this or that service. And then it just goes on for five minutes. And, oh, I really don't like those sales pitches. And so I like this form of support way more and uh so again thank you so much let's take a look at what's happening in the world do you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world they said catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby you've taken your first step into a larger world so i don't know about the situation uh in in your country here in the Netherlands the omicron variant of covid is still um infecting a lot of people the infections are still on the rise we're now above 50,000 um per day so we're we we may actually hit like 80,000 infections per day we're a tiny little country and it's it's starting to show because people have to go in isolation so uh stores have to close um uh, they are canceling like trains and flights and it's it's starting to become uh, a bit destabilizing um on the other hand and that's the good news hospital hospitalizations are still going down so it's obvious that this particular variant and that does not say anything about future variants that may be just around the corner but this particular variant is relatively mild and that of course opens the possibility that maybe uh, we will be able to reopen some sectors. So a lot of you have been asking me, what did you think of Spider-Man No Way Home? And I constantly have to answer, but I haven't seen it yet. Please don't tell me anything about that movie. Because the day after Spider-Man premiered in the Netherlands, we went into a lockdown. And all the entire cultural sector, so museums, but also theaters and movie theaters had to close their doors. And they have been closed ever since. And it's been closed for a month now and so i haven't been able to go to the movies i i still want to see the matrix and west side story and 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 spider-man and ah. i'm so hoping that next week we will be able to go back to the movie theater and i can finally like relax when i'm browsing my news feeds on social media because every time i do that i'm afraid that i will come across a spoiler for especially for spider-man so that's the situation right now. There is also a lot in my country, a lot of upheaval about a huge scandal that broke out, which has to do with a, a very popular television show that is also aired in many other countries called The Voice of, in, in our case, it's The Voice of Holland, but in other countries, it's The Voice of, uh, I don't know, The, the Voice of, of, of England or The Voice of uh, Spain. And it's this talent show. Now, these you know, big budget 
um, uh, 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 television shows where, where, where people are, you know, they have to appear in front of a, ju- a jury and then they, they get coaches and then, uh, of course, there's only one person who's going to win the talent show. These programs have been massively popular. Millions and millions of people watch it every week. But uh, there, uh, there has been um, a uh, broadcasting company that did uh, research and found out that a lot of the contestants, the female contestants, had been abused, had been harassed uh, behind the scenes. And they were pressured into not talking about it. This has been going on for years. And now all of a sudden, all these victims, it's kind of, kind of like the Me Too movement, but in the Netherlands and in this very small television world of us, uh, where, where all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And then you get a repeat. For me, it's a repeat of what happened when the church abuse crisis broke loose. And you see exactly the same mistakes, like the, the, the people in charge reacting like, well, but why didn't these women speak up before, you know? And uh, I'd, we didn't know that this was going on, you know? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is like a repeat of what all these bishops did in, in the past where they denied the severity, said that, well, we didn't know, how could we possibly be responsible? Or even worse, ended up with victim blaming. But it's the women's fault. They, did, they should have spoken. They should have said something. I was like, the only person who is to blame here is the perpetrator. And as a, an organization, you are responsible and if you didn't know what was going on, you should have known. You should have had protocols in place. All the stuff that the church worldwide had and has to learn the hard way. You see exactly the same thing happening now in the television world. And it's, it's pretty shocking. And what I find is shocking, of course, first of all, is the amount of victims uh, and, and, and that such a high-profile program that these people in power have been able to keep this a secret for years. And 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 it, it's another confirmation that this, you know, this type of abuse is is mostly because it's a, an abuse of power. They 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 use their their uh, position as a judge, as a coach, to exert power over people that are in, in a dependency relationship. And that's the worst. That's the worst. And and then um I'm I'm also shocked that apparently the whole the way the church has had to deal with the fallout after the abuse crisis became public in all these different countries one after the other and we're not done yet let me tell you that there's still there's so many other countries where they're only starting to acknowledge that maybe they should look into this look at italy like if there is one country where the church has had a huge amount of power for decades, if not centuries. It is Italy. So already from a statistical point of view, you are going to have a ton of of cases of abuse of power, abuse of vulnerable people. So far, nothing has come to light. There has been no no serious attempt to you know start to do research. In Spain, they've only... They're only beginning now, same situation, a country where the church has been so powerful. Where there is power, there is going to be abuse. It's sad, but the fact that it, you know, th- this is about church people, that does not prevent 
these cases from arising. That if there's one thing that is clear it, it, from from the past you know years of of uh, all these different situations is that the patterns are the same wherever there's power, wherever there is no. Um, uh, protocol in place where people can just exert their power without any form of control. Um, you see these same mechanisms, including victim blaming or denying the severity uh, until, of course, the facts hit them in the face and there's no, you can't deny it anymore. This is just the other week I read that in the Diocese of Munich, Archdiocese of Munich, where uh, Pope Benedict used to be the, the Archbishop Ratzinger, um, there has been an independent research, and the the results of that research of that whole uh, examination have come out now. And it also mentions Cardinal Ratzinger as being one of the bishops who has not uh, been, who has not acted enough to stop some perpetrators. And uh, the Vatican has not reacted officially. They're studying the the thing. Um, but you can see how, how close this gets to people like in the upper echelons of hierarchy. And it's no use saying, well, well, of course, that can't be Pope Benedict. It's such an incredible man that yes, he is, but he's also just a person who in, in a situation of leadership can make very grave mistakes, can, can also have, have done the wrong thing. That is, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. What is important is, are we acknowledging that these things took place? Are we doing everything we can to repair the damage, to honor the victims, to let to believe them? That is that is what we should do. And well, this current this current upheaval in Dutch press is only showing how widespread this is, and. If this happens in this country, if we've seen all these other countries, then that w- why would you think that magically some countries would not have that problem? I think as long as we don't hear about it, it's probably because it's not taken seriously and uh, enough yet. And for the sake of the victims, but also for the sake of future victims, I believe it is of vital importance that people take this seriously and that you never fall into the trap of victim blaming or or diminishing the importance of this uh, or, or 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 just coming up with all sorts of reasons why this this should not be you know a, a huge priority for our society we owe it to the victims and we owe it to our children and grandchildren if we want to prevent this from happening in the future we need to look back at the past and acknowledge what happened there and make sure it doesn't happen again. The truth will set you free. The truth is not always pleasant. It sometimes hurts. It sometimes almost kills you, but it's the only way forward is acknowledging the truth of what happened. Uh, This is also, and this also was very painful last week, um, uh, there was a beatification process started for a Dutch priest, Father uh, van der Lugt, um, who was a Jesuit priest who was martyred. Um, he was killed because of his uh, very courageous presence uh, in Syria among the Christians. Um, and I definitely believe that he was a good man and um, he was uh, 
uh, he was one of those martyrs. He didn't want to leave the country. He wanted to stay with these persecuted uh, Catholics to be close to them, and he he paid for it with his life. So absolutely no problem with that. But um, uh, some conversations that he had while he was still alive came to light, and there have, there there's actually. Uh, uh, um, written testimony about what he said and that was in 2009 and he was very dismissive of the uh, whole abuse crisis and he, he said that victims are probably lying or exaggerating and oh, of course it couldn't be this bad and it's just, you know, all the re- rhetoric that you would hear 10 years ago, right? This was pretty commonplace. I had lots of colleagues who talked like that. Oh, for sure, it can't be this bad. And it's just, just this media uproar to damage the church even more. Now, 10 years, 11, 12 years later, we know way better. We know that this was not hyperbole. This was not a media campaign to hurt the church. No. This was the media doing what it should do. This journalist doing what they should do. Show us the truth. And, and, and <laughs> make sure that the truth gets known so that we can make sure that this stuff doesn't happen again. All right, heavy-duty start of the show. My apologies for that. But, hey, you wanted to know what was happening in my part of the world. That's what it is. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. All right. Well, we, I got a lot of the change of tone. There is a ton of stuff that I watched recently that I'm super excited about, and I want to share that with you. I'm not going to bore you with my Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett analysis. If you want to hear my thoughts about that, then by all means, go to my YouTube channel and, and watch some of those videos. I love this show. I think it is, again, showing that Star Wars is really flourishing as never before and and i can't wait to see where they go next with the story but i wanted to mention another franchise that i'm totally in love with and that has been such a a huge part of my imagination and and oh if i were a kid when this franchise launched i think it may have been actually more important for me than star wars and i'm talking of course about harry potter I was late to the game, as I've explained before. I was in Rome studying um, studying media. Um, and at that time, the first movie came out. And I'd heard of Harry Potter, but I thought it was just children's books. So I never bothered reading those books. Plus, I was kind of busy with the study. So <laughs> I didn't really have the time to read that much. But I went to see the movie at the theater with a couple of other priests. And I was awestruck. It was such an amazing world. And I loved all the deeper layers of the story. Um, I had lots of discussions with with fellow priests who also were pointing at the all the you know like the Christian symbolism from the, lots of medieval symbolism that was integrated in the story. But of course, also the bigger bigger story of this this orphan boy who is called to combat the the, the incarnation of evil in 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 the magical world. Voldemort, and and there were so many uh, archaic, big story ideas in Harry Potter that I became hooked, and I started to read the books, watched every single movie, and it's still one of my favorite worlds to step into. Um, And 
like Star Wars, it is a story that has so many deeper layers and that is so relevant, I think, for our times, for any times, basically, because it, it touches upon the big choices in life, but the big themes, and also has a lot of theological depth, I think. And so uh, when I heard that there was going to be a Harry Potter reunion uh, television show on HBO, of course I had to see it. And it celebrates not the... Uh, um, the um, jubilee of the books, but 20 years of since the movies came out and all the, well, a lot of the original actors, some of them, unfortunately, have are deceased now, but all the main characters were there and it follows them. They filmed everything in, uh, in London. You have that wonderful Harry Potter experience where they rebuilt a lot of the sets with the material that was still kept in, in archives, I suppose, and uh, and so the whole setting was very much like what you see in the movies. It's also very beautifully um, uh, acted to a certain extent. There was a lot of acting going on. A lot of the um, the cuts in the in the between the interviews were were clearly directed, and the actors were acting. But they did a good job, and it it really did what it should what it wanted to do and that is to also distract us a little bit from all the controversy uh, around JK Rowling um which unfortunately the controversy just like in Star Wars fandom um there's a lot of negativity there and of course that's not that's never good for a franchise and so this particular TV episode also had a very vital role to bring back that charm and the nostalgia about what we loved about Harry Potter and no matter what you think of, of J.K. Rowling uh, right now, uh, what this television show wanted to do was to bring you back to why you fell in love with that world. And so I thought it was a very smart thing to do. Um, I have mixed, mixed feelings about certain aspects of it. I really like to see Harry, Ron, and Hermione again, or, well, the actors who play them. Uh, it was, an, again, a wonderful just to, to realize that we've seen these kids grow up and, to, and we've seen them grow as actors as well, and it's rare. I don't think we, we've ever seen something like that. A little bit with The Lord of the Rings, of course, when we see Frodo back at the beginning of The Hobbit, but, um, but this, is, this is unique, and, and it's, it's really well done. So hearing about... What it did, what it meant for their lives. Of course, we we you we mostly got the positive side of it. I'm sure that it also was very challenging for them, for the actors, for their parents, um, and the 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 person that I was a that I feel was maybe the most impacted and not in a good way by the success of the movies was was Harry Potter himself. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I read some interviews already a, a while ago where I felt like, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword for him, what it did to him. And I I thought that he, even though, of course, he's kind of the, 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 the series holds his, you know, the name of the character that he plays is the franchise. So he was a bit more tense, felt more uh, ill at ease, not not very natural. Um, Rupert was actually the one who was most himself, I felt. Um, but there was something about Daniel Radcliffe where I felt like, hmm, I don't know, he's just 
very tense. Uh, this must be very, very hard to to still be kind of the the banner holder for for the entire franchise. And will he ever grow out of this, you know, role that he played? I, I don't know. He's doing plenty of other movies, but I think I don't think he can ever escape the world of of Harry Potter ever again. So I, I wish them all the best, and I I love what what they all all these people that were involved, what they did with these movies, and how what a legacy that is. And I think this these movies will still be watched maybe a hundred years from now because it's just amazing storytelling, amazing, uh, uh, just it's so incredible what they've done. They've created a believable world that evolved with us as. As readers, as watchers, every movie became more complex and and nuanced and and not what you expect. And and I love it. I love that's also what I love so much about Star Wars. It's growing with us. It's not going the easy route of just doing what fans clamor for. That would be so easy to just do fan service, but ultimately that would be the death of the franchise. A story needs to evolve because we evolve. We want to be challenged. And if a movie franchise, a storytelling franchise, dares to go in directions that you don't expect, because and that helps us to grow or to rebel. And that's what we've also seen, both in the Harry Potter fandom world and in the Star Wars fan world, to a lesser extent also in the Star Trek fandom. Um, we don't always like it when a story goes in a direction that we you know, think we... We always think that we know better, right? We, but ultimately, what, what the risk is that we just get stuck in the same story over and over again. Whereas the stories that really challenge us, those are the ones that are going to really impact your life. That's my take. So um, then some a, a few other mentions. I need to do a video, a YouTube video about The Eternals. Um, I finally got to see it because I missed it in theaters. Thanks, COVID. And I, but it was... Uh, uh, published on uh, on Disney Plus the other day, so I watched it. It's a long movie. It's actually a little bit too long. Um, it's very different from all the other uh, Marvel movies. It tries to spin almost like a meta story that that is uh, en- enveloping all the other stories. And I wonder how long they can keep doing that. Uh, it's like, okay, you know, this the Avengers, and then, oh, wait a minute, Loki shows us there is way more than that. And then there is even an outer shell, and that's like the Eternals and the, you know, this whole creation mythology that they're coming up with, which mimics deliberately also the biblical account of creation. But it goes into a different direction um, in many ways and starts to contradict itself. It's pretty shoddy theology, I mean, if you compare it with the creation theology of, let's say, a Tolkien, it's uh, it's very run-of-the-mill and problematic also because it creates so many contradictions. And, and the ultimate question is, what, the, what that movie does, Eternals, is everything is kind of... You cannot trust anything. Like the, the creators of the universe... They're actually not benevolent creators. They're just super selfish. And so it creates this huge moral conundrum. You know, what is your criterion for protecting life? And ah, there are so many problems that I have with this kind of worldview. At the same time, that's why I was interested by the movie, because it, 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 there's so many meta questions that emerged that you could really, I think, uh, have an interesting theological, philosophical 
uh, um, reflection on on this. What does it mean? If you think a little bit further, of course, this is just based on comic books. So, you know, I don't blame them for not having a very coherent uh, um, creation story or creation theology. But at the same time, it's fun because it makes you realize also what the... If you compare that with the biblical story of creation, and of course I'm not talking about you know a certain uh, view of creation, the, the book of creation as a like a witness account or taking it all literal. Of course that that's that's never a good idea when it comes to the Bible. <laughs> but also it, it's not just metaphorical. So that whole discussion about well, what is what are these creation stories in the Bible are. What are they truly telling us? What are the insights? What kind of world vision flows from that? What what idea of God is behind that? And how does it all fit together or not? That is an interesting comparison. It's it's just complicated complicated movie. There are a lot of elements in there. So I don't know exactly how to do that because I'm going to bore people to death if I'm just going to do like a like an hour long theological uh, reflection on this without any visuals. So I'm still kind of pondering on that. Maybe maybe it's just something that it's it's not a, it's not my job to do that, but I'm intrigued and the movie itself it's a gorgeous movie. The special effects are amazing. I love the look, the overall visuals and there's a lot of coherence in coherence visually and I appreciate that. It's it's one of the best looking Marvel movies so far. Um but also a story that has a lot of flaws and f- felt way too long for what it was trying to do. I, from the looks of it, they're going to do a sequel. Um, so the Eternals are going to be back. So that's going to be interesting. I also felt that, you know, you've got these after credit scenes or mid credit scenes. And those are getting more and more obscure. I really had to Google what's going on. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay, well, whatever, you know. I was already a bit surprised that, that you know, that main actor, uh, what's his name, who, who, who uh, plays uh, Jon Snow in in, in, uh, uh, in Game of Thrones. I mean, it's such a prominent actor, and then he is there in the beginning of the movie, and then he just completely disappears, only to come back in the final minutes of the movie and in a post credit scene. And I was like, yeah, sure, I... I understand that this is your way of introducing a new character for future movies, but it just felt unbalanced. And I understand that if you already have a cast of what, what is it, ten superheroes, you don't want, you know, Jon Snow to play another superhero. It's going to get very complicated. But uh, it just, yeah, I had issues with this movie, and still, I still watched it. I was still pretty okay. I would give it a seven out of ten. All right. Uh, enough about movies. Uh, there's one other thing I want to mention here, but just to refer you to my the two videos that I did on YouTube about it, and that is the upcoming Marvel series Moon Knight, which looks very promising. Um, lots of religious themes, so um, I'm thinking, mm, new YouTube videos, easy for me. I like uh, stories with theological aspects of it. At least I can contribute something to whatever is out there already in terms of YouTube videos on uh, TV shows. But um, but just go watch that. Um, I also have a, a a bit of a worry about the main character of the show. I explain that in um, in my YouTube videos. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Catholics rock. 
peculiar mantra always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. Oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Well, no, we don't eat light bulbs. <laughs> but we do have our weird, weird things. One of which is confession. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So this is one of those things that nobody actually really likes to do, but it is at the same time very important to to Catholic life, and that is the sacrament of, of confession, reconciliation it's also called, and uh, in which, well, basically you confess your sins to a priest, but it's not really about the priest, it's about the priest as the mediator between you and God, because sin is always about a relationship. It's a relationship of love between you and the people that you live with, and your relationship with God. And those two are inseparable, like Jesus explains. The command, the biggest commandment is love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, it, and confession is always about that. And if, if, if something breaks in that relationship, that sacrament can heal it. But of course, in order to heal, you first need to acknowledge that you are broken and you need healing. Otherwise, God is never going to step over your boundaries and just heal you like a magician, like like uh, Hermione does with with Harry Potter's glasses in the first movie. You know, <laughs> that's that's not how it works. Um, and and of course, the healing. Of course, the more you acknowledge that you need healing, it opens you up for God's presence, and He can He can, you know. Giving something to someone who's open for it is so much more better than like here's a present, but I don't need that. But sure, no, I think you need it. No, that's that would be terrible. But the confession is all about this. It's basically an encounter, like every sacrament. However, it's not easy. It's not easy to admit that you have made mistakes. It's also very hard to give words to those sins to what you did wrong because it makes you feel broken and 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 it, and you feel the pain that that sin causes in your own life and failure is is hurts it hurts when you fail but then you have to still reiterate that however it is a hurt that comes with the exposure of a wound for instance if i go to to even if i go get a vaccination i don't like the the vaccination i don't like someone sticking a needle in my arm i don't like the effects that i had for two days and being like really sick but I know it makes me stronger. And that's the kind of pain that you sometimes feel in, in, in confession. It's like, it, it's, it, it hurts also to acknowledge that you have failed and that you maybe fell into the same mistakes and did the same things that you, that you thought you would never do again. But at the same time, a good a priest, a good someone, a good how do you say that? A good confessor will always put you at ease and 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 put the focus on the reconciliation and the healing because that's what matters. The rest is is forgotten, forgiven and forgotten. It's gone. It's never in 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 God's eternity. What you confess is literally is gone. However, what is not gone is the consequences of sin. And the damage that it caused, maybe to your to yourself uh, or to other people, and that's the aspect that I struggle most with, or that I have struggled most with when it comes to this sacrament. It's like this idea, and this is just a, a, the perception that I had of the sacrament. It's this idea, like, oh, so 
forgiveness is just this magic eraser. But then you know that in life it doesn't work like that. If I hit someone so hard that that person, that I break that person's nose, I can say, oh gosh, I'm sorry I did that. The nose is still broken, right? So I always wondered, how, how does that work? And I know that in, 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 in the sacrament of confession, there's always also a moment where the priest will propose a f- form of reparation. Um, th- we call that penance. It's like paying a price. You know, you, you pr- but in a certain way, if you, if you uh, cause damage in society and a judge orders you to pay a certain amount of money to the victims of whatever crime you did... That is a form of reparation, and, and that's understandable. But I never understood how me praying a Hail Mary could repair the damage that I'd done to others, nor did I understand who someone else who hurt me really seriously could just go to confession and then you know, gets confession there, prays a Hail Mary, and then where am I in that story? I'm still hurt. I'm st- I, what did, ever, did that ever do to me? And then, of course, the kind of what I tell, told myself was, well, I should, should just forgive that other person since I've been forgiven. And that sounds very, you know, nice and, and pious and, and whatnot. But it's just, I oftentimes cannot do that. It, sometimes the hurt is so big and someone has, has really carved in my soul with, you know, the, with evil... How can I just forgive that? And what, what was really helpful is the other day I was watching a video by Father Mike uh, Schmitz, I think. So he's a guy, the priest who does the uh, Bible in a Year podcast. Um, he's got a, he, he does a lot of video work for a channel for uh, called Ascension Presents, uh, which is uh, actually a, a PR channel or, well, it's more than PR, but it's a, it's a, pub, um, a social media channel of a publisher, a Catholic publisher in the United States called uh, Ascension Press. So he does a lot of these, you know, Q&A type of videos where he answers a question that he often gets as a priest. And so he had this whole explanation about the difference between forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. And for me that was, and it's really weird, I'm a priest, I've been a minister of the sacrament of confession for many years i've i've been the recipient of of the forgiveness in the in that same sacrament and yet this was the first time that i finally understood the difference and how important that is to see to know what the difference is so um i'll include a link to the video because he explains it much better than i could uh in in the show notes but basically it's forgiveness is something that is something you can do it empowers you. I forgive means you owe me. You hurt me. Um, you have a debt that I could demand back. I could demand reparation. If, if you rob me, if you break into my house and you steal my stuff, you owe me something. You owe me that television that you took from me or whatever, uh, or that money that you stole from me. But it, I forgive you means... I give that to you. I don't want it back. I'm not going to claim it back from you. So forgiveness is something that empowers me instead of making me weak or whatever. I can decide to not claim my due. But that's something totally different than reconciliation, where 
reconciliation also means coming together again. Uh, tr is, is, is trying to embrace the other person. What I'm asked to do is to forgive people that hurt me. But that's in my power to do. Reconciliation is goes two ways, you know? And it can very well be... Say, for instance, this burglar that tried to break into my house. I could tell that person, okay, I forgive you. I'm... We're going to repair the damage. Don't come back. I don't want to see you ever again. You know, I'm not going to get a cup of tea with with uh, someone who tried to rob me. No. Why should I? <laughs> not something I want to share my life with. So that's but that's not an obligation. That's great if for one reason or another that person really repents and then and there are many stories in many many situations in history that show that sometimes reconciliation is possible. But it's not required. Forgiveness is something that ultimately I may be able to do. Reconciliation has to go both ways. You know, that person keeps robbing other people. Why, why would I seek reconciliation? And then restoration. That's even rarer and not always very likely. Restoration is it means you go back to the relationship as it was before you got hurt, before the other person hurt you restoration is like okay we we reset everything and we we continue uh to grow in our relationship and uh restoration there's a lot that needs to happen before that can actually take place this is also something that is not entirely in my power alone restoration also has to come from both sides and so these the degrees of of repair in a certain way are we're just such an eye opener i'm thinking okay so forgiveness does not mean that i have to like the next time i see that person that hurt me so much that i have to oh i love you so much no i can still say say to that person i don't think it's wise that we are in each other's company i don't think i want to see you again that is not not forgiving, no. Not forgiving is just I. I'm not going to claim what you took from me. I'm not going to claim what you what you owe me. But that's something else. Then hey, I love you. You are such a good friend. It's as if nothing happened. No, I. There are some people that hurt me so much in my life. I don't want to see them here in this life anymore. <laughs> they are fine. They can live their own life. I forgive them but I don't want to be anywhere near them. And if God can bring about reconciliation and even restoration, and I hope he can, and that is something where I am just there standing in front of God with, my, with open hands, you know, saying like, I am unable to do this. I cannot control the other person. I cannot convert that other person. So, but for restoration and reconciliation, that needs to happen. It has to be, it's, it's a relationship. So it, that relationship has to be restored from both ends. And I can only do what I can do, but God can do more than I can do, and, and God can actually turn around people. And then, of course, if that happens, then I hope that God will give me also the strength and the power to be open for reconciliation or restoration. If I keep holding on to my grudge, if the other person truly, I am say truly, not just on the surface like... Uh, 
I just want to pretend that I that I changed, but the other person has really tr- changed, and I should be open to that as well. But again, as I said, oftentimes I'll just have to put that on God's desk and tell him, you know, you can do stuff that I can't do. That's why you are God and I'm just Father Roderick. But um, if you can, this is my prayer. Make it so. (laughs) Please, pretty please. All right, that's what I wanted to share with you. Again, the link to the video is in the show notes. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I did a bit of reading. I'm still three books behind on my very ambitious goal to read 100 books this year. Was it 100 books? Did I really promise myself that? Oh my gosh. So that means basically two books a week. Uh, We're now in week three of 2022, uh, on the verge of week four, and I've only read two books so far. Audienceology, which I talked about, I think, in the last uh, show, and this morning, very early in the morning, I finished reading The 5 a.m. Club, which is a book uh, that is told in the form of a story, but it's basically just a bunch of uh, uh, tips and advice on on uh, putting in place a good morning routine and to balance your life. None of it is very revolutionary. Uh, I've read it in a, a number of other books before, but it's still good advice. It's really good advice. And having it all together in, in, um, in one book... It was just a good repetition. It was like a good moment for me to realize, yes, I really, I'm already doing a number of these things, but there are also a few areas uh, that, this, that this book mentions where I can still improve and or be, maybe be even more consistent in implementing that in my life because I know from experience that it, it helps. It really works. However, it, it's, you could summarize that book in 30 pages. And I wrote a review on Goodreads uh, this morning saying basically that don't waste your time reading this book because it's 300 plus pages and it's just so it's a gimmick and i've seen it once before another book and i thought it felt like a gimmick there too so it's the story of there's this billionaire and he meets two people that are really struggling with issues in their life and he invites them to go with him and 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 fly across the world and visit paris and rome and 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 brazil and and, and uh, to go to Hawaii, and every place where they land, he teaches them a lesson. But not today, no, no, tomorrow I will tell you the 2020 rule. And then not tomorrow, no, 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 tomorrow. It's like watching Karate Kid, but instead of uh, the kid having to uh, paint the fence for, for two days, he's painting the fence for two years. That's how it feels. And then finally you get the lesson. It's like, dude, you could have told me that like two years before. That's how I felt constantly in this book. I was like, oh, come on, you're wasting my time. But here's what I took away from the book. And that's, of course, why ultimately I'm, I'm happy that I, uh, well, not that I read it, but that I got the message. And that is waking up early and establishing a morning routine that starts with what is the what is most important in your life because that's what it's all about um it is that is life-changing and uh let me just go to my goodreads review because actually i was clearer about what i the lessons learned when i wrote it of course i'm not signed in again Ugh. continue with amazon don't tell me i have to use my phone now to get into this page for some reason, my browser keeps forgetting that I 
want to be logged into Amazon. Now it's, oh no, thankfully it, it logged in. I've got a lot of login issues lately. I hope I'm not hacked. All right, so let me go to my, my books and then click on my review. I'm lazy. I'm just going to read you my review. Here you go. The author is Robin Sharma. The world's premier thinker on leadership, personal growth, and life management. Yeah. No hyperbole there. <laughs> All right. Here's my review. Great lessons. Terrible story. Um, just not going to repeat myself here. Waking up early and spending your first hours of the day on exercise, meditation, and meditation and or journaling and learning. That's the 202020 rule. You only discover that like after 200 pages. And it's basically, you can summarize it in the, what I just told you. The first hour of the day, you wake up at 5 a.m. That sounds very early, but if you do that for 60 days, it will come, become second nature. So that's what I'm currently doing. I'll tell you how I do that in the tech sec section because I got a nice geeky way of waking up at 5 a.m. But the 202020 rule is a very pertinent rule and has worked for me, has worked wonders for me. So you start with 20 minutes of exercise, physical exercise, you get the blood pumping, start with that, go out for a walk, out for a run or a bike ride, go outside, then 20 minutes of praying, meditation. And for me, what helps tremendously well is journaling because prayer is something that kind of uh, is, is part of the entire day. But for me, journaling is a really good moment to kind of think about the day. So I do that five-second journal that I talked about in one of my other shows. Um, and just and immediately after journaling, I, I take what I formulated as my uh, priorities and I put that in my calendar. And that becomes the the skeleton of my day. And it's so incredibly powerful. And I've been growing so much ever since I started doing that. And then the final 20 minutes of that first hour, spend it on learning and learning, teaching yourself new things. It's good for your brain. It's also good for your expertise. And so I've, I've been focusing a lot on, you know, uh, watching a video on, on audience retention, uh, learning how to grow a YouTube channel, that sort of stuff. There are tons and tons of tutorials, um, probably also later on editing, documentary, storytelling, that sort of stuff. There's so much to learn and it will immediately benefit my area of expertise and my it will help my priorities. So... Um, then, so that's in the book, the benefits of good planning, yeah, duh. Uh, although I'm very, very <laughs> aware that planning has been the th one thing that has been lacking in my life for many years. But now that I've mastered uh, how to plan, um, it's, it's also been a game, has been a game changer. To focus on your area of excellence, so don't waste your time on all these little things that other people can do much better than you. Don't try to do everything Pick one thing that you're excelling in and then do that. Do something that no one else can do but you. Um, well, that is why I was talking about these documentaries. I feel that that is my area of excellence and I will still do a lot of other things, but it should never overshadow or take the place of that one area of excellence where I think I can really make a difference. The importance of gathering a good team around you to take enough time off from work to recharge your batteries. It will improve the quality of your work. So the importance of, of also daring to put yourself first, it's not selfish to take time off, 
to go to a movie, to relax, to play a video game. All the stuff that my parents have been telling me for most of my life, you know, it's, oh, that's bad for you. That's uh, video games. You're wasting your time. No, I'm recharging my batteries. I'm helping my brain to be at its optimum state the next time I'm focusing on my work. You need that time off in order to be at your best when you're working. So it took me 50 years to discover that. It's incredible. Um, all these tips are very valuable, could be life-changing, definitely have been for me, but they have been could have been communicated in 30 to 40 pages. Instead, the author close, chose to wrap them in a less than mediocre story of a billionaire who takes two people to various places on earth to teach them these lessons. It's a badly executed gimmick that I've seen in a number of recent books in the same genre. No matter how disappointing the story was, the actual advice is very good and has yielded great results in my own life. I'm repeating myself, but you may just as well look for a summary. I'm repeating myself again. Spend the time you gain by not reading this book on applying the advice in your own life. So that's what I'm repeating here. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. In a minute, I will tell you how exactly I managed to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning with a big smile on my face, and it involves technology. But first, I want to tell you a little bit more about what struck me in the scientific news of the week. And there was something that really surprised me. Since I just saw something in the movie uh, The Eternals about global warming. Now, of course, uh, the talk of the town, very important topic. Um, and in Marvel's Eternals, they, they have an explanation for as to why the world is heating up. And it has to do with the Eternals. And it is it's totally ridiculous. And I was also a bit surprised because it's very incoherent with the rest of the Disney's messaging, which is usually very much, you know, like we have to be good for the earth and we need you know it's like it has a very environmental awareness and in this movie they just explain it away with some supernatural thing out i can't spoil it for those of you that haven't seen the movie yet but i was like uh disney is that really you <laughs> however i read an article um that the the earth yes the atmosphere is warming up and it is having massive implications for all of us here on the planet and even more for generations after us but the on the long in the long turn and in the long run the earth is actually cooling down and it is because the core of the earth which is currently molten is accelerating its cool down and when it will ultimately cool down and that is a scientific fact it will cool down there's nothing that is feeding its warmth, of course, and so the warmth, the heat is getting out. It won't magically return. Ultimately, this planet that we currently live on, that is so dependent on having this warm molten core, will turn into a rock. And it will be just as cold as Mars or any of the other you know, rocks out there in our solar system, and life will end. Now, if there's one thing that we know is that nothing here on in this created world is eternal. Also, life on Earth is not going to last forever. And even though we may find ways to travel to the stars and find new planets that we can inhabit, uh, it's a very, very, very big question if we will ever be able to do that. And so we have to accept the possibility or even the likeliness that at one point the human race will just be extinct 
and this planet will end just because it's cooling down if we don't kill life on Earth earlier by our own behavior, which is actually much more likely that we do. So uh, the, the, the Earth is cooling down and it will have implications, maybe not for the next few generations, but over time, the next centuries or millennia, the Earth will continue to cool down and it will have a massive impact on our climate, on our atmosphere, and yeah, all that's going to be left is a rock. So is that the end? Well, for me, it's one of the things that I that I like about my faith is that I can hope for for a future beyond this physical world and beyond this life of mine that is just very short. It's going to be over soon, but I hope that it's not been for naught. You know that there, that that this life is actually um, the start of a life that will last forever. In what form and how? I don't know. It's beyond the realm of what we can show scientifically or proof or whatever, but it's something that is on a metaphysical level that I can believe in, and I have reasons to believe in that, but they're not of the scientific kind. Not, nor are they totally uh, completely irrational either, but if you want to have answers in that realm, that's why we have philosophy, that's why you have theology. Um because science will only tell us how, but not why, <laughs> or where to. That is a different discipline. So anyway, those are just a few thoughts. When I read that news, I know that, well, no matter how, how eternal we think we are, and sometimes we have, that, we have that pretension, that pride maybe, that, well, we are just going to figure out a way to live forever. Uh, maybe not us individually, but definitely the human race. And, 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 of course, we love our science fiction stories that give us that perspective. But the actual scientific fact is that it's not very likely. So we may actually have to also think about other ways in which maybe this life on this planet will still mean something. Because if it's all meaningless coincidence, what's the purpose? You know, why bother? <laughs> We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. I've, uh, in the meantime, I'm browsing through uh, the, the, the comments section and some people are uh, concerned about my take on Harry Potter and I keep repeating uh, some of that criticism that was, uh, th that came from certain, certain groups within Christian churches, very concerned. There's a lot of misinformation there too about Harry Potter and the nature of the books and the meaning of the books. Uh, you know, some people say it's oh, it's from the devil, and this is J.K. Rowling was possessed by an evil spirit when she wrote these books. And I'm thinking, no, uh, it's a story, and and it's a metaphor. There's, you know, look at <clears throat> Lord of the Rings. Tolkien was a very Catholic, very devout uh, uh, believer, and yet nobody goes to church in Middle Earth. <laughs> it's a story. It's a, it's a metaphor, it's a reflection of our own world, and it talks about themes that do have very, very deep Christian roots. And J.K. Rowling herself has said it. She is a, I think from a 
Episcopal Church background. So, um, and, and, and her faith has been a major story influence. However, if you start approaching these stories with this negative idea, like it's all the devil, I think you'll never discover why it's such a brilliant, very Christian story. Um, I'm afraid that most people that have these preconceived ideas about Harry Potter will never bother to try to discover maybe what these books really are. Anyway, this is not the place to talk about that. I've done that for years in a podcast called The Secrets of Harry Potter, which I still think you can somehow buy the series at sqpn.com, and I'm not sure. Uh, it's kind of disappeared from the internet, which is a shame, because I, I think there's a revival of Harry Potter, and um, it's a show that just should be out there. could be so... Maybe I should just ask Dom. He's probably listening to this. Maybe the board of SQPN could consider republishing that online because there's such a huge interest in Harry Potter and, and, and I see still so many people confused about why, you know, why Christians should, should, should read this instead of fearing it. Um, maybe it's worth just putting it back online. I don't know. I, I don't own that podcast anymore. But, uh, but I'm definitely, I, th I still believe it's important for me to explain the deeper layers of the Harry Potter story. This is not what I wanted to talk about in the technical section, though. I was going to share with you how I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. with a smile on my face. And that is because I wake up <laughs> as if I am waking up on Groundhog Day. Now, this is one of my favorite movies. And when I had to come up with a plan to help myself wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, it was not just about, okay, I'll just go to bed at 9 a.m. at 9 p.m., which of course is very important if you want to wake up at five, because you want, do want to get your your five sleep cycles, so seven and a half hours, eight hours of sleep. But I needed to convince myself that it was fun to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. This is not natural. So I thought, why not? Why not pretend that I'm Bill Murray and I'm waking up in this small town? And I hear that same radio show every morning when I wake up. And this is where technology came to my rescue. Because <laughs> I figured out how to do that with my Google Home. And it turns out that it is possible. It's a little bit tricky, but it is possible to, uh, inst to create a routine for Google Home. And I'm pretty sure with Alexa, it's probably even easier. Usually Alexa is a little bit more user-friendly when it comes to these things. It's possible to program your Google Home system so it wakes you up with an MP3. Now, the way you do that is not like, hey, play this MP3, because it, it's impossible. Um, <clears throat> but you can upload your MP3 to Google Music, which apparently is still around. I had no idea. Google keeps changing their services over time, and I thought that they were done with Google Music and that they replaced it with some YouTube subscription that I was not interested in, but apparently it's still around. And apparently everyone has this ability, even if you don't subscribe to anything, to upload your personal songs to a library, to a personal library. It has to be connected to your personal account. And once I discovered that, I uploaded the MP3 file of this radio program and and you it's recorded from the first part of the movie so it's, it's you hear the 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 old fashioned radio alarm switching on and then it's you hear this this song in the background you know the i've got you babe from Sonny and Cher i think and oh my alarm got 
stop that. And my alarm is warning me that it's time to wrap things up, so I'm going to do that. Um, anyway, so uh, it is uh, uh, possible to to then program your uh, your routine in in uh, Google Home to do a number of things. Um, and I could only figure out how to connect that to um, to daylight. So when the sun rises, I calculate three hours back. That brings me to five o'clock or a little bit more, three and a half hours. Depends. It's changing, of course, with the sunrise. And so <clears throat> at five o'clock in the morning, the first thing that happens is that it, uh, uh, it starts to to uh, to use my Philips Hue lights. I've got two Philips Hue lights in my room. And uh, a few IKEA lights that I've also connected to my Philips Hue system, um, and it gradually starts to um, to to brighten. And I, I use some colors that mimic like a nice, beautiful sunrise. So it's a bit of this purple and orange colors, and it's so very, very slowly uh, starts to become brighter and brighter. And then it will play that MP3 file, and then afterwards. And I didn't know that. It's going to play a lot of songs in the same vein of that, you know, like that same era. I don't know how it knows that that's the kind of music that fits the morning routine. But I wake up and then it's like, uh, I've got you, babe. And then rise and shine. Uh, this, whole, this whole talk, you know, that, that Bill Murray's character hears every single morning when he wakes up. And he's, of course, at the, in the end, he hates it. But it's... Uh, You'd better put on your boots because it's going to be cold outside. Oh, it's cold every day outside. But today it is Groundhog Day. And every time I wake up with that, I've got this huge grin on my on my face because I, I feel like oh, I am Bill Murray right now and I'm going to get live through the same routine. And you know what? Actually, that is exactly what's happening because my morning routine is the same every day. So at least the first hour of the day is my Groundhog Day routine. And just like Bill Murray, the more I step in that routine, I'm getting better at it. And, and in the end, he learns how to play the piano, and he he's like starts to learn so much about himself, about his place in, in the world, and it prepares him for this moment that he will finally step out of that Groundhog Day loop and will be able to embrace life a, a new man. And that's kind of why waking up with that Groundhog Day uh, radio show is is so much fun, and then what I do immediately when when it uh, when that routine starts to play, I wake up, I sit up, I get out of bed, and I I tell the first thing I tell myself today is going to be a great day. This is this is uh, something that I've learned in you know habit forming, but I tell myself that every day, and you know what? Actually, these days I feel like it is true. I can truly tell that to myself. Not that, that everything is great in my life. Oh gosh, there's a lot going on, and it's it's not all fun times. Uh, there are some challenging uh, things that I that I have to deal with, but at the same time, there's so much. I'm so enjoying what I do, and I I feel like I'm I'm really in in the, where I belong. I love doing these shows again. That like the whole joy of working in media is back and it has been gone for a while and so it's i wake up with a smile and that that, be, the, that first hour of the day it totally works i don't browse social media i don't listen to the news that first hour is for the 202020 20, 20 rule and then 
I make sure that I have that same balance during the rest of the day. The only thing that I'm still struggling with and trying to kind of detox from old behaviors is this tendency to work too much. This previous week, there were days where I worked 12 hours, 14 hours, and I've spent way too much time on, on these YouTube videos. And But every time, since I journal, I, I tell myself uh, to do better next time and to stop working. Nothing is more important than my health, getting enough sleep, and the more... and and. Take time off. The more I recharge myself, the more I can be there for the people that are reaching out to me or that I feel a pastor for, a shepherd. So that is why these routines are are not trivial. They are really the foundation of what I do. And it helps. It helps me so much. And the more, the stronger I am, the more I can be there for you. So... Anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you. I love technology, especially when it can help me wake up with a smile. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of our show. Um, There is way more to talk about than I can do in this uh, one hour and nine minutes and, what is it, eight seconds now? (laughs) But thankfully, I've got another show, Father Roderick to the Max, in which I'm going to talk about uh, a lot of other stuff. This show is just too short for that. And if you are a patron, of course, it will be in your Patreon personalized feed. And this week, I'm going to talk about a ah, funny recipe I tried out uh, this week. Pancakes using grits with Nutella and banana. It's it's delicious. Um, I'm going to talk about the Rings of Power trailer that dropped the other day. We'll talk about Wordle and about Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard and what it will mean for the franchises that they have in their portfolio. I will talk about uh, something that inspired me this week and then, of course, we'll also talk about health, community news, and uh, and I'll, tell, I'll share with you what I learned on TikTok this week. That's also a staple ingredient of Father Roderick to the Max. I love TikTok because for me, it's a, such a source of information and teaching and ah there's there's so much to learn i love it and that's what i hope to share with you if you are listening to father roderick to the max if you are not and you would like to become one go to father roderick on patreon that's patreon.com slash father roderick thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're watching this on youtube and we'll talk later take care and god bless